0: Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use Closure and functional programming together to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. We share because we care. Yes, we do. just going to say that again and again because <laughs> we care so much. We love you, our listeners out there.
0: Yeah, we... Uh, We've made plenty of mistakes ourselves, right? So, we uh, hope hope (laughs) that we can um, not only have learned from them ourselves, but maybe we can uh, share a thing or two so that you don't make the same mistakes.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, we just finished up a little series or a big series on composition. And that was a lot of fun. So, we want to have some more fun. And this time we want to talk about... The connected editor, or the rebel driven development, as as we like to call it in closure, in closure land. Uh, it's not really good that good of a name for it. Uh, I I like to call it whiplash-driven development because <laughs> it's so fast that you you literally have no time between when you write the code to when you execute it. There's no like one or two minute build step where you to get a, you to get coffee. So you have to take a break after half an hour because you're just so you're just blown back by the productivity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. But are we, are we going to talk about REPL-driven development or are we going to talk about REPL-driven not development, undevelopment?
1: Right. So instead of talking about how we build up our applications from one form at a time, we are going to talk about connected editor driven not development
0: (laughs) yeah connected Uh, editor as an interface
1: to productivity (laughs) yes i mean as a launchpad
0: yes and if you're deeply disappointed then by all means just hit stop right now go back listen to the repl series uh it's episode 11 or 14 i don't know don't quote me on that but we'll link to it in the show notes go listen to the repl series all about repl driven development today it's all about how to use the repl to do cool things even when you cannot um well yeah that have nothing to do with writing code for your application
1: per se or writing your application yes so what what should we start off with well i was just doing
0: this uh yesterday or the day before i was just doing this recently Yeah, yeah. so I'm working on an application that's uploading videos into Cloudflare streams. And when you do that, when you create a new video, Cloudflare does a fair amount of processing and and goes through different statuses and states and all this stuff. And at some point in time, (laughs) this video gets ready so you can stream it. But let's just say that moment is not the moment you upload it. And so I wanted to understand the states it went through, how long it generally took for processing. So, you know, you you read the API documentation and it tells you all these interesting fields exist, but it doesn't tell you how quickly it's going to go through state changes, for example. And um, sometimes it doesn't even tell you all the states that exist. It's just like, oh, this field has the state. You're like, yeah, but what states exist? Right,
1: it's the the good old dry re- reference documentation where it's like, here's all the, the data you might get. But unfortunately, that's not often what you do get from the API, especially when there's some hidden state transitions that you know it's going through on the back end somewhere and you would like to know what that is or, or what the timing is because, you know, do you wait, do you pull, you know, whatever.
0: Right, right. And it has optional fields like are they going to be there or not? Do they appear after some period of time? Are they there immediately? Are they not there immediately? And so I thought, well, I want to understand this API. So what better way than to poke at it and see what statuses it gives me? Now, in the past, I would have done this with curl. And I would have written a little bash script in curl. And I would have poked at it and put some loops and poked at it and printed out the curl output and piped that into a file and then maybe looked at that file or maybe ran grep for things. And and that's okay, but hey, this is a closure podcast, so I bet you know where this is going. <laughs> Turns out Clojure yes, is really good at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: So I wrote the requests, um, and so I'm using HTTP kit, so request is pure data. So I wrote a function that generates out the requests I want with just parameters of things I want to try, different variations I want to try. And then I am using comment blocks in a file, right? A closure source file. And then I'm evaluating those in order to make the actual HTTP call and get the responses back. And then ultimately I built my way up to being able to call a single function that did the video upload while calling the status API and mm-hmm. it, it was it was uh, short polling the status API, so I could see all the transitions it went through. I could see about how long they took. I could try different video files, and all of that is captured. All these different experiments and how it's done is all captured in this file, which I can then open up later, try again, um, copy and paste experiments, vary them, and 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 write little notes to myself as comments. So it's, it's this very ex exploration of the API and understanding it and, and kind of getting a hang of how is this really going to work? What, what's really there? What's really going on?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's, that's one of my favorite things to do as well. It's kind of the repl as window into another system. Uh, you know, so you're talking about exploring the, you know, how an API would behave or does behave so you can inform your application. And and I have an application that i have been working on and I actually wrote the API. So I know how it should behave <laughs> <laughs> well, or how it should behave, not maybe how it does. And uh, so I, but I still have a REPL file, a file that has a bunch of, like you said, pure functions that make uh, um, requests and HTTP kit, you know, pass it to the request function. But what, what I use it for is, you know, someone will come to me with a bug, and it says, "Oh, I, you know, these three API calls went in a row." And so then I can actually go into my that file and point, you know, a def at the top for which version or which uh, instance of my application I'm talking to, whether it's one of the production ones or one one in QA. And then I can, I have all my rich r- interactions that I can choose between. And and one of the nice things, I think we talked about this in our fiddle episode but i'll say it again wonderful the wonderful thing about it is it lets you randomly access your history you know the one line at a time kind of you know bash prompt or postgres prompt or even the closure like the actual repl repl you you're only able to look at one so it's like you're looking into all that productivity through this really thin little slit and so having it in a file means it, it expands that so you have the whole file at once and you can randomly hop around and remember where you were because of the comments you know it's yeah. just, it's so much more powerful.
0: Uh, yeah. I start moving my experiments around and grouping them next to each other. I start writing little comment headers that these different experiments are about this. Um, it gives me uh, an easy way of going between different things and trying different things and, and doing all that for sure. For sure. It's a, it's a great way. And so
1: that actually reminds me of one of the things that I, I thought like it was one of those you know you have these things in 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 programming where you go I wonder if I could do that like you have a a, a vision in your head but then you don't know if it's actually going to turn out the way that you as good as you hoped.
0: That sounds like a daily experience. I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish the world was this way. As a programmer, we have the responsibility and curse of making it that way.
0: I I mean, isn't that one of the goals of your programming language and your programming experience is to uh, spend less time doing the things that are really mundane and repetitive and more time actually doing new things?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So... What I was trying to do, so we have, we use Postgres at work. And so I end up at the Postgres prompt many a day where I'm trying to figure out. As in PSQL, like
0: that Postgres prompt. Right?
1: PSQL, the one and only. And so I, I'm I'm running a lot of queries and sometimes, you know, you'll run 10 queries, but only one of them is really the one that you want to. That actually gets you the information, and so I would often like copy and paste that into another file, into a text file, just like save that one, you know, because some some of these can, you know, with the joins and the group buys and the havings and the you know all these aggregations, especially some of the really weird ones that you can do, like case statements. Yeah, I get to the point where I had this like I'd poured all my energy for an hour into this query, and I was like, I don't want to just let that go into the the Postgres history file. I want to I want to save it someplace more important. And and so I had a difficulty, like I was like, you know, I have my it my, my programming experience is so much, you know, this random access, I just can I can ask a question again and again, I can go back to a previous question really easily. And I thought, how can I make it so that I can query Postgres from my, you know, from my my connected editor. And so I just I Figured out how to get a you know next JDBC connection to the database, and I use a project that I wrote called Table, which is like a bunch of different ways of of presenting um, tables. You know, it's like there's p print print table, but that's only one variant. There's a bunch of different other libraries for that. And so I thought if I just query the database using next JDBC, and then I print out the table in my editor, then I basically have the same thing that I would have in psql but now it's in my editor now I can run multiple queries and the 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 plugin I use all of the outputs from uh, REPL uh, evaluations go into the same buffer and so I would I could I could I could do a query and do a, di- a slightly different query and then in the, my in that REPL buffer you can see both through the results right right one right after the oh, other. oh yeah right so you can it's really easy to compare them uh, but then I even like, you know, you take that and you can munge it a little bit and then you can copy that and paste it in Slack as a report to someone like it's a really easy way of, of, you know, uh, accessing that data and, and being able to send it somewhere else. Yes. But then just like you said, I can, because it's in my editor, I can do a query instead of printing it out of the table, I can just get that data and write it out to a file or I can. Do all the closure aggregations with it, you know, so I, I have all of the power before the query and then after the query that I have in closure, but I don't have to like, you know, I don't have to trick PSQL into dragging that data out somewhere so that I can read it into my REPL. It's already there, right? Yeah,
0: that reminds me of actually something I was doing today. When I was working on um, an application, right now I am doing a little bit of maintenance programming on a code base that I didn't write. And and very sadly, it's in TypeScript. And that's a much longer (laughs) story for a much different day. But I needed to test a bunch (laughs) of scenarios. And so inevitably, I'm working my way through this user interface clicking on things, and those things ultimately have a side effect in the database. And so I want to unwind that. And due to, let's just call it a certain lack of testing in this code base, (laughs) I have to do a lot of things, a lot of manual testing. And so what's cool Mm -hmm. is I, in a file in my REPL, in my Closure REPL, this is not TypeScript, in my Closure REPL, I connect to the Postgres database, and I'm able to do run queries and unwind a transaction that I did before, right? I'm, I'm undoing some changes that were done. And then I've Mm, reset the scenario back up so that I can test it again. Right. And so, yes, this is not a comment on automated development or automated testing or lack thereof. This is the grim reality. Sometimes we as developers need to set up the database a certain way in order to do testing, and I was able to do that using Clojure and Postgres um, in an automated way. So I can just basically poke the closure button and rewind things to where I want them to be and then run some more tests and so on and so forth.
1: Oh, uh, right. So that's very cool. So like, I'm, I'm guessing you're like on step 90 of a 98-step a process. And you don't want to have to go back and do the first 90 steps. So when you go to step 91, you want to just go back one step. Right. It, by poking things in the database. It's very cool. So REPL as a data munger, you know, data healer. Right. lets you reverter. explore <laughs> the
0: database, lets you output data. I've done what you've done where you query it and then you get it back. And then I pivoted it out into JSON data and written it to the file system or CSV data. But that was after I did some processing and filtering that... I don't even think I could imagine the SQL to do the processing and filtering for, right? So it's like...
1: Yeah, you have all the power of closure,
0: Right, right. And so it's not that there aren't other ways to do this. That's not the point. The point is, all of a sudden, you realize there's a lot of interactive exploration and processing and task automation and all this stuff that you can do from the REPL because you don't need to write a script... To do it, you don't need to make a script file that you can execute, and you don't need to rely on confusing command history, you know, where you're up, 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 over and over and over. You can just execute a form. Boom. It's off. It's running. You know, you're you're, you're ready to go. And this stuff can then turn, you can copy and paste this stuff, possibly even back into your, you realize, oh, this is really useful. I want this in my programmer. Oh, this is really useful. Let me put this in a Babashka script or something right yeah it can go in that direction too but it doesn't start there
1: it, and it doesn't it, it's much easier to connect things together one of the things that I started off with was just actually literally writing the the the, the SQL query and using next jdBC to, to execute it But then I was like, wait, there's got to be a better way, you know, infomercial style. (laughs) And uh, so I've I've done a lot with Honey SQL, which is a really cool uh, library for building up, um, building SQL queries. And so I have SQL query building functions that, you know, they're pure functions and they get me an SQL query out of it. But it allows me to build those queries in a very closury way. Because you can just add and remove things, where clauses and you know, select clauses and that kind of thing. And and so not not it's not only just the data that you get afterward, but the leading up to the interaction with that external system, you have all the plier of closure and the ability to make that more efficient or more flexible. More composable. Ooh, <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> more composable. And for that, we must refer you to the series that we just finished <laughs> on composability. <laughs> I guess you know. Absolutely, it's functional programming. So we're going to talk about composition. <laughs> it, it'll it'll happen.
1: <laughs> it'll come back up again.
0: And so yeah, so being able to explore data. I saw this talk. It was back in Closure West in 2015, and um, it was Sorn Macbeth who from YieldBot who was talking about using the Repl to inter sort of interactively query. Um, like big Hadoop clusters and get data back mm-hmm. and for me that was like mind-blowing at the time it was just like oh whoa like this REPL could be a terminal this super powerful terminal into this vast um, warehouse of data this vast repository and I can slice it and dice it all sorts of different ways and discover things you know and so it it's amazing because a REPL is just a way of doing structured execution very rapidly and very yeah. flexibly, kind of kind of like you know your bash prompt is a way of doing not very structured but execution rapidly and somewhat flexibly, and and so you you can do a lot of things at the REPL that you you know kind of like at a bash prompt right like in terms of exploration and trying things and so on and so forth
1: yeah definitely so that kind of your your idea you're talking about you know calling hadoop sounds like so like this uh, sql interface you know querying the database this is kind of like these are things that are there to support development or to support operations uh you know so they're 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 not just they're not in support of building your application necessarily, but they're in support of other purposes that are, so to speak, near software. Now, one of the things that I love doing when I can, uh, is actually making it so that it, that the REPL is not just a support tool, but that it is the primary application interface. Oh, it's not, uh, it's not something that just sits there on the side. It's like, that is the only way of using the application. There's no UI, there's no main that gets called. Uh, there's a talk from Stu Halloway called Running With Scissors, which is a wonderful talk to, to, to watch. I highly recommend it to anyone. It's, it's one of the things he talks about is the, the, the high expressivity and high power that you get with Clojure and being able to you know, a lot of these connected editor things have come from that talk. At least they originated in my mind. But one of the things he says in that talk that I remember distinctly is he says he has a personal finance application that he only uses from the REPL. Like he manages, at least at one point in time, he managed his finances using his REPL. And there wasn't like a web UI or a a curl interface or anything like that. It was literally the REPL was the interface. It was the primary interface. And I thought that was so cool because, for one, it's probably the most flexible interface you can have. But also, you don't have to go. You have to. You don't have to write J- closure script. You don't have to write JavaScript. You can just have a, a really cool uh, UI. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it let's you not avoid that whole world. <laughs> right, and that
0: reminds me a little bit of our fiddle files that we talked about back in the Repl series, right? You you have a file. So yes, there's there's sort of two ways to work with the Repl, right? There's the Repl prompt way. And if you're using like RL wrap or you're using one of the more uh, rich REPL wrappers, mm-hmm. then it will have history and you're hitting up arrow to get to your previously run commands. Or there's the approach where you have a source file and you're evaluating forms in that source source file as the way of interacting. And you and I, discuss this we call these fiddle files so they have a little bit of a feel of a notebook right i mean notebooks have emerged on the scene since since then and so they feel a little like because you're evaluating forms in a file but like that file is your ui right those forms are your ui and if you're writing a data-driven tool or application that that's more than enough of a UI. It's a great UI.
1: Right. It's all you need. Lots of times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I have an, an application at work that... The same one I was talking about earlier. And it needed to migrate... I needed to migrate the data from the... It was basically a replacement from an, for an old application. And so I needed to migrate the data from the old one. And I didn't want to do that data migration from my local system. I wanted... The application to basically be able to migrate the data itself and so i added a bunch of url routes that i could so i could call from my repl those urls and and have it i was like migrate one account migrate this account migrate you know 10 accounts like you know that kind of the way that you do migrations you do like the 110 sorry one one two ten a hundred you know you you start small and you get bigger and i wanted to have the the ability to gain confidence in the in the migration. But the only interface that I had to those API routes was my connected editor. Like, there was no other way of calling those or doing the migration. Right, Literally, the only way I could do it was connected editor.
0: Right, and if you think about this versus, like, a, a script, right, either you have to make a bunch of separate scripts so that you have mm-hmm. different entry points, or you have to make a single script, and then you have all this ceremony around which subcommand you want to run... Or, or whatever, right? Or you can do Absolutely. what I've done in the past, which is you have a single script and you comment out a bunch of things and then you uncomment one part <laughs> and you run it and then you comment it out and you uncomment out a next part and you run it and you comment it out. and you, I mean, th- mm-hmm. this is the ugly truth of the way things get done. But with this, with REPL, every function is or form is a potential entry point, right? And within a comment block, you can have all kinds of entry points. And so it's, it's great. It, it gets rid of a lot of unnecessary coding, especially if you're doing one-off tasks, like an exploration is a one-off task, or maybe this one-time migration is a one-off task. You're, it, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not Absolutely. a thing where you really need a script or an application to check into source control to, to use for the next two years or something like that.
1: Right. The, the the malleability of it is actually part of what the part of its power. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so yeah. maybe uh maybe you've thought about using the REPL in some different ways. Maybe you've used the REPL in some of these ways yourself. Maybe this is a brand new concept you haven't heard before. I mean, hmm. it certainly was to us the first time we encountered it. But whatever it is, uh, we would love to hear from you. And we'd love to hear your feedback. You can reach us at feedback at closuredesign.club. Or you can tweet at us on x, x.com, <laughs> at Closure Design. <laughs> <X> <laughs> and, or, you know, one of the best ways to get a hold of us is to just hop into the Closure Design-Podcast channel on the closureian Slack we have all sorts of fun conversations there related to the episode.
1: Yeah, definitely. Please share with us what you what you what you get to do, or what you are inspired to do. We love it. There is one more thing. Oh, right, closuredesign.club, our home on the internet uh, on the web. There you can go to find our show notes and past episodes. We have a nice listing of all the ep- series we've done in the past, including the last one which was on composition. Please go check it out and uh, hope you enjoy.
0: That's right and we will be back next week to talk about more closurey things but until then thanks for listening